Hello and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week I'm bringing you no-nonsense, no-BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hello and welcome to another show on the Profitable Practice Podcast. I'm Andrea and so thrilled to be conducting my first expert interview with my colleague, Dr. Quinn Hand, a naturopathic doctor based in Toronto, Ontario. And here's why I think she's an expert. As an experienced naturopathic doctor, business owner, and natural health product industry expert, Dr. Quinn Hand understands what it means to build a wellness business and be a wellpreneur. In addition to her clinical work in women's health and sports medicine, Dr. Quinn coaches and mentors wellness practitioners to build the foundation required to be more than just another practitioner. Dr. Quinn helps her mentees gain clarity about who they are, what they do, and how they help people and communicate that effectively to reach their ideal clients in a business they love. However, what Quinn is most passionate about is helping wellness practitioners become wellpreneurs, kind of like how I say healthpreneur, and ultimately global wellness leaders. So without further ado, thank you so much, Quinn, for coming on the show and maybe give people sort of a background on what inspired you to take on the role of a more entrepreneurial side, not just being a clinician? Mm -hmm. Well, so I come from a family of small business owners. My father owned his own business. His brother owned his own business. Um, So really, I grew up with that entrepreneurial spirit existing around me consistently uh, seeing the trials and tribulations, the peaks and valleys, the uh, the rewards and sometimes the hardships, certainly. But therefore, going into naturopathic medicine, I knew that that was always going to be something that would be incumbent upon us mm-hmm. to be successful, um, which I don't think everybody always thinks about. And that's part of the challenge is yeah. they sort of get the rude awakening of, oh, my God, I need to be entrepreneurial as well. And, and even when we do have an entrepreneurial spirit, it can be challenging at times, right? So for sure. um, Yeah, but that's really sort of how it started for me. And I'd always had a vision of having my own practice and and, uh, sharing that with other people as best I could. And, um, and then also having my interests in other areas as well, though. Awesome. And so let me just get this straight. You are the owner of your own practice? I am, yeah. Okay, so that's definitely something I'd like to discuss because for me, I'm still kind of doing it all on my own. I'm a one-woman show, and the idea of being a clinic owner is something that I'm hoping in the future will become something that I sort of get involved in. So I'd really love to pick your brain. So if I forget, remind me. Um, But from my perspective, I'm really all about helping sort of the startup NDs. Basically, from what you just said, you know, we don't always come out with that idea of, oh my goodness, I have my ND hat on, but I didn't realize I had to put my marketer hat on, my social media hat on, my business mm-hmm. owner hat on, and that entrepreneurial hat. So I just wanted to um, get some ideas of things that, or how your startup practice was like 
so that we can have new NDs that are coming out or even naturopathic doctors that are starting over so they don't have as many headaches as potentially what you and I did when we started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, the hard part is it is it's a learning curve, right? Irrespective. And and even with the best of advice, you're still going to go through that learning curve. So I think that's step one for people to understand is that definitely gather your team gather your resources, go to the people that have done it before you Mm -hmm. without a doubt, but just also be aware that you're still going to have days where you feel like you're being kicked in the teeth. Okay. So step one, be clear about that. Um, I think step two is to be very, to sit down with yourself and get clear about how you want to practice. What do you want your clinical life to look like, your actual life to look like and that it'll morph right like I still go through days and periods Absolutely. of time where where it morphs yeah so but you know I sort of sometimes have um, fourth year students where they're preceptoring or I work with them in, in other capacities and they'll sort of ask that question and they're like well you know sort of do I do this or do that and they're almost putting the the cart before the horse because they're not actually clear about what it is they want to derive from their practice you know And for example, going out in the first couple of years, you may really want to be in a place where you get additional mentorship. And therefore, the the opportunity that might cost you seemingly or might look like it costs you more money because you're paying maybe a higher split or something could be invaluable in the long run if you're somebody who really needs mentorship, right? And that's, I'm going to stop you right there because I think that's such an important point that at least looking at some of the questions that keep coming up in and around contracts. And that was another big question that I wanted to um, address today is that I find because we don't have that entrepreneurial mindset, Mm -hmm. many of us think, Oh my God, I have to pay, you know, a $500 flat rent every month. And it, it steers them away. And I can say from my own perspective, and this is why personally I find getting NDs that want to work hard is really Mm -hmm. difficult in a practice because I would say, well, you don't understand what it costs to run this place. You don't understand the bills that are involved. You don't understand how much it costs to, pay rent and internet and POS and all of this. So I I typically ask for a small base rent just so it gets them a little bit more motivated to work harder. But everyone that I've presented that to, they're like, no, I don't feel like taking that risk. I'd rather do a split or something like that. And so have you run into that being that you are a business owner and it's really hard to find people that are like, you know what, this clinic is totally bumping and I could make a killing here, but I'm just too afraid to take that risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I've sat on both sides of the table, right? I've, I, when I first started practicing, I did practice at another clinic for the first year and, and it was really great at the outset. And then we just sort of had a difference of opinion when it came to the renegotiation. But part of that did center around the fact that I was doing the majority of things for myself and I didn't necessarily feel that the um, suggested split end and or rent was commensurate to the amount of effort that I was actually putting in to completely manage the majority of things. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, absolutely, like, I, I actually do the same thing you do. So I actually ask for a small base rent um, so, i.e., a split with a minimum. Yeah. And um, and in fact, you know, that was actually how the um, owner of the clinic that I started at operated, and I thought that was a good method. I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah. And and I think for that very reason that I actually felt that that was reasonable. She needed to cover certain costs, 
we need to cover certain costs. And if we know we have that basic income every month as business owners, that's super helpful. But I also see it on the flip side that you need to have that motivation. Yes. And um, and it can be really easy when you, you first start out to be super motivated, but then you can lose that motivation. You go, well, it doesn't really matter. I can just pay a split. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't really uh, create an issue for me. So, yeah, I've definitely had people um, where I've given and offered um, pretty competitive deals because I like who they are and I see the potential um, for us to work really well together. But then, you know, sort of either be fearful of that or, you know, it doesn't work out for whatever reason. And I do think in some cases it is because of that, that sort of initial concern about mm-hmm. being able to put out that money. Yeah. And that's something I would say to, to new clinicians is, you know, do your research. And yeah, there are times where people are going to probably not be giving you the best deal. And there are going to be times where you're looking a gift horse in the mouth. Right. And yeah. And, um, and that's something that um, I do try to talk to people about, even if I am sort of having that sort of what you want to call it, the negotiation discussion. Um, but, you know, I've put thousands of dollars into, you know, the legal fees that went into writing the contracts and that I'm still, in fact, maybe adjusting the contract for them out of my pocket. Sure. Uh, you know, the lease negotiations, the, you know, I've bought the equipment, I've, you know, all these things that you don't have to lay out um, initially. And that is, you know, it is a big undertaking, not only from a time perspective, but from a cost perspective. So try to have that perspective when you come out that it could be seemingly a lot, but there's a lot that's gone into that person being there. And, um, and hopefully they're going to be able to give you some mentorship on both sides, right? Business as well as, as clinical. Absolutely. That's why I say get clear, get clear about what you want. And um, yeah, and sort of understand that it does take a little bit more of an investment, but it doesn't have to be ridiculous, you know? Right. And I mean, I've definitely been proposed with, okay, we want you to spend $3,000 flat a month, which is insane based on, you know, how you see the clinic running. But for most of the, like I have two practices, I pay $1,000 flat. And to be quite honest, it pays itself in dividends because I'm busting my butt, like, you know, and it's just something, and I even actually find going for more of a flat than a split, you get so much more freedom with a flat. Uh, I, yeah. I typically find because, you know, they're like, well, we've got your rent perfect. You do whatever you want. You collect, you know, all the supplements, yeah. you collect all the labs, you collect all the patient visits. And then there's no sort of, well, I'm taking a little bit here and a little bit there. But I definitely understand for new grads, they, it's a little bit daunting, but exactly as you said, look, you know, you went to this particular person or you um, applied to be a clinician in this clinic for a reason. And what was that reason and how bad do you want to emulate those people mm-hmm. you're working with? Yeah. And I think, you know, there's different ways to to take a look at the financial structures. And it all comes down to, um you know, if you're walking in and they want to do a split and they're managing everything for you, they're doing your bookings, they're collecting your payments, they're, you know, actually fronting the money for your labs, all that kind of stuff. You know, they're the ones who are incurring, you know, the credit card interest for yeah. the first little bit, you know, all of those things. So being cognizant of that, that that isn't necessarily a bad deal, right? That if you really don't have to do a darn thing, then, then yeah. great. Um, yeah. And similarly to your point though, too, I was going to say that if you, um, 
if you're then flip side doing all of the work, mm-hmm. then that's where you, if you do want to be paying a flat rent, or if it is still a, like a split with a min, you, you're going to want to be a little bit more, um, perhaps aggressive or, or sort yes. of intelligent about what you ask for on your split because you're doing a lion's share of the work. Right. And that's what you have to, to be clear about. But if you're walking in and they're doing everything for you, then that, that's where things change, right? Right. Yeah. And so while we are on the topic of cost, um, I was just curious about some of the things, and again, going on this the same topic of fear of investment, mm. what were some of the big, you know, maybe scary investments that a lot of us shy away from that you found were just pivotal at number one, protecting you, protecting your business and helping it grow? Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, so for me, and this is, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe in failure, but learning curve. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so for me, when I decided to venture out and, and build my own clinic after, uh, leaving the, the clinic I started with in the first year, um, I, I was at that time, I was lucky enough to be a medical educator for one of the largest supplement companies in Canada. So that was great. I had a secure income. I had benefits with them and I had disability insurance with them. Wow, nice. But that being said, yeah, really, you know, obviously not all of us are, are lucky enough to have that, um, you know, in, in a, or want it necessarily in the course of our sure. career. But with that being said, what, um, what was beneficial there was actually I, I came out, I started my clinic and um, I just sort of signed all the documents and everything and um, I was six weeks in and I herniated my L4, L5 disc. Oh my goodness. Massively. I had to have <gasps> surgery, the whole nine yards. And I sort of, you know, I had been taught about the idea that we need to have disability insurance, perhaps overhead insurance, but because of the way that things went, it was a bit of a whirlwind just to go from being at the previous clinic to trying to set up because I had sort of planned on building my my modus operandi and my business plan and all that kind of stuff while I was still working for the supplement company and perhaps still being at this other clinic. And and with the way that things sort of transpired, it was a little bit of a, you know, a shotgun. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You never know what life's going to throw at you. So, so I actually didn't have um, additional overhead insurance or disability at that point. And I know so many practitioners who don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Or money gets tight and they let their disability insurance go. Having gone through that process, I luckily had insurance. Notwithstanding that I had saved a decent amount of money in the previous year, I went through all of it except for a thousand dollars. Wow. So I was basically dysfunctional for almost six months. I had over $2,000 a month in rent to pay. That was just base rent, right? That didn't include my phone. That didn't include my internet. That didn't include, you know, right. uh, your, your POS monthly fee. Yes, obviously there weren't a lot of fees going through. I did have somebody come in and cover for me, but having made the transition from the previous clinic, there was already a bit of a lag where I was tr- just getting people back sure. in the door and then boom. So I think that's one of the big things that having gone through that process, I make sure that um, I've continued to invest in that. And now I no longer work for the supplement company. So it becomes that much more critical that I have something to protect my income in the event that, 
something were to happen to me again. And so this disability insurance would be someone completely different than our licensing insurance, correct? Exactly. Well, I mean, some of those providers, depending on who you're with, can still offer it, but typically you will be doing it through a different okay. um, a different provider. So, um, and this goes back to sort of your initial question talking about, you know, what are some of the things that you need to look at investing in? You need to look at investing in building your team. So that means um, potentially looking for a financial advisor who can help you with those disability um, as well as overhead insurance and other areas. Uh, critical insur- or critical illness insurance is another one, which is that idea you get cancer, sure. um, you get a payout potentially if you couldn't work, etc. Um, so having a financial advisor, having a really good lawyer, you need a lawyer from day one if you're looking at contracts. Do not sign stuff if you have not had somebody vet it for you. There are some some key points there. And it might seem like a bit of a challenge to sort of lay that money out. But let me tell you, it'll save you a lot of time and headache down the road. Um, And then the other thing, too, is an accountant, making sure you've got somebody who can advise you as to how to set up your business if you're setting one up, whether you're an associate or you're a clinic owner. There are nuances that you need to be aware of. And yeah. And so vetting for some of these places and looking at rates, and if you don't want to answer this question, please, by all means, don't. But just in your research, you know, what is the average cost um, above and beyond what we pay for disability or critical care? Yeah, so uh, critical illness usually ranges um, $200 to $300 a month. Okay. Um, sorry, not critical illness, sorry, I should say disability. Yeah. Uh, critical illness is actually usually only about 50 60 bucks a month. Okay. So that's pretty decent. Um, overhead insurance is based typically on what your costs are and what your income is. So it'll be sort of, they, they do a calculation. Okay. Um, but usually sort of in that neighborhood, again, of two to $300 a month. Yeah. So at a bare minimum, I'd say people need to have disability insurance and take a look at critical illness. Okay. And because disability is, yeah, you go out and break your leg tomorrow or, or you have what happened to me, your back herniates, mm-hmm. you're totally laid up, you have to have surgery, you have to go through the whole recovery process. It's giving you, and again, it's covering at least the base minimum of what you tend to draw in on a monthly basis. Okay. So it may not... Um, cover your overhead entirely, but that's why we want to have the overhead connection. Uh oh, did we just have an internet problem? No, not for. Hi. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> I have no idea. That's okay. We're still, I think, recording on my end. Okay. Except my video just isn't showing anymore, so I can still see you. All right. Yeah, you can see um, hopefully, my. <laughs> Ah, okay. uh, here we go. There I think my go. video is back. Okay. Cool. Um, now you were also talking about uh, lawyers, and of mm. course, the idea of hiring a lawyer yeah. will turn most people away and be like, "Oh my goodness, there's something else." So, what is a great resource that you use to, you know, kind of work through the lawyer that worked for you, yeah. and you know, steering clear of those people that might want to take advantage or what have you? I happen to be lucky that I have a lot of lawyers in my family, and so I went okay. to uh, to uh, actually my my cousin. Um, wife is uh, was practicing and I said do you have any recommendations and so she sort of asked a bunch of her colleagues and that was really how it happened for me was recommendation um, so that I would say that like ask people who they're using and um, you know do they like them what do they know about our profession because I think yes. that's one of the things right is is you don't always have to have an absolute understanding of our profession, but it helps if you do, or yes. or similar professions. So that's where I was lucky. I my lawyers had worked with you know a bunch of chiropractors and 
stuff like that. And so, um, but a lot of my stuff was also surrounding your basic business needs. Like I, the first time I went to my lawyers was actually when I was signing my lease for my space. So, you know, just basic things like they don't need to understand our profession for that. They need to understand what a small business does. Um, and I think that's the other thing too. I was lucky the the firm that I went to, um, both of the principal guys also had their MBAs and they own property. And so they're, they're used to sort of your standard form leases and seeing what things should look like. So definitely ask for referrals, ask people what they do or don't like about that person. Um, I think the other thing too is there, are, you know, avail yourself of our professional association. So there are some resources through the CAND and the OAND. Um, that's actually what I did for my financial planner was there was, um, a planner through the OAND that was recommended. Great. So I, I yeah. him. Yeah. So cool. Definitely a good way to go. Now, outside of these, um, items, was there anything sort of through your business journey coming from being an associate to opening a practice to running a practice mm -hmm. that, sort of, again, we don't want to use the term failure, but we're sort of learning moments, right? Something yeah. that you invested in and it just didn't go your way, or you um, had somebody who you thought was perfect to join your practice. And this is why building relationships is so important and vetting people properly. Anything like that that you can share? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things, so like you were sort of saying how you're sort of still a one woman show. And as much as I have my practice and I have some other folks that are with me, in a lot of ways, I'm still a, a one woman show. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, but in terms of going through the possibility of bringing people on, you know, I always had this vision of running a, like a large multidisciplinary clinic and, um, having lots of people and, with a lot of my other interests and the various things that like, I love to teach, that's part of why I loved being a medical educator. So, uh, and now doing some of the coaching, that's part of why I love it. But I realized sort of as time has gone on that I put a lot of money into possible contracts with people yes. and not have them work out in a couple of instances. And so your vision may change and that's okay. I think that's mm -hmm. the big thing. And, um, and I think the other learning piece from that is as much as I actually had a relatively standard contract, you're still going to learn that um, you can have a relatively standard contract often for non-ND associates. It sometimes will shift when it's ND associates because we have all these other rules sure. that we have to abide by. And it's like, who's the custodian of the files? And, yes. you know, how do you manage that? And it's just, you know, it kind of becomes a bit of a quagmire sometimes. So, um so even with like your best of intentions and people who you've spent two or three or four interviews with getting to know them, it may still not work out. Pan out. Yeah. And um, so probably build that into your thinking. And when you go to um, build your contracts, try to have as standard a form of contract as you can and sort of say like, these are what my payment structures are. You know, you've got option A or B or no option, like this is how it is <laughs> and, and put it out there and just find somebody who is, you know, and you always want to have a bit of wiggle room, I think, right? Yes. You want to work with people and people will have ideas and they're bringing things to the table, but try to have it as, as figured out as you can. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, you're not spending $2,500 every time you have to do a contract, right? You're probably going to invest. 2500 or more in an initial contract and then you know a few years later depending on updates you may invest that much again 
Sure. And so this is a very, very important topic and you kind of very lightly touched on it. And I'm actually, I'm doing a podcast all around the ideal or the idea of what success looks like. Mm. So, okay. Coming from my perspective, I think you're bawling because you are a clinic owner with all these people under you, (laughs) but this is what I'm saying, right? So it's the perception, right? And then you just said, you know, I always wanted to be this, you know, big multidisciplinary clinic owner, but knowing from the stepping stone of where you're at, there's so much that is involved in that. And we're talking about real hard costs here that people are like, Oh, well, if you're running this clinic with all these people and they're all paying rent, you must just be rolling in the dough. And yet a lot of people, again, kind of going full circle to the beginning of our conversation yeah. is a lot of people don't understand how one peg goes into another peg to fill this hole. And we're always constantly reinvesting in the business. Totally. It's not like we're going on vacations in our private yachts all the time. So (laughs) have you had that experience where not, not necessarily where you thought something was way more successful than it wasn't, but just sort of that clarity of, you know what, what I'm doing is, is perfect for me. And what other people are doing is probably great for them. But even though it looks like a step up in the success ladder, it might actually be more strenuous and more stressful. And and sort of give me your insight on that whole appearance of yeah. success that everyone thinks about and not understanding sort of what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the that's a big thing. It's funny because for years I was never somebody who compared myself to other people. And and it's funny because in recent years and going through this journey, I do sometimes and you really have to take a step back sometimes and be like, okay, people tell you and show you what they want you to see. So, you know, and we learned that we've learned that a lot through social media in recent time. Right. But it doesn't matter. It can still get in your head. Right. So. um, So, yeah. So I guess for me, even for me, like there's a lot of times where, sure, I have my clinic. But yeah, like I've put so much money into this process. And and it's, you know, it's not always a profitable venture. And um, and so I think I think, yeah, I think just take everything that you see with a grain of salt um, and you can still aspire, right? So, you know, I look at, um, when Megan was Megan Walker and Aaron Wiley first started out and I was like, oh, Megan, Aaron are totally, you know, doing totally this. killing it. Yeah, eh? exactly. yeah. But I mean, you talk to Aaron and it's, I mean, it's a grind, man, like to manage 18 practitioners. And, Absolutely. And you really have to want to be in that and doing that. And, you know, I commend them for having having done that. But, you know, even Megan, right? She was like, I have other passions and I need to step yeah. away, right? And And follow those. So I think that's the other thing is that we sometimes get boxed into what we think the definition of success for an ND is. Yeah. And we're very much told that it is having, whether it's, you know, you may not have a lot of associates, but the idea of having a full practice and being able to see people five days a week. But that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. That may not be what you want. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that we have to think about, too, is um, you might be very happy seeing 10 people a day, five days a week. Yeah. But let's be aware that at 10 people a day, five days a week, you're probably capped out energetically. You're going to be capped out financially because that's what you can max out at. Mm-hmm. So that's part of tr- starting to look at some of the other areas where we need to leverage and find other ways to 
generate income, whether that's through group programs, whether that's through doing something in the online space, you know, that is permissible, et cetera, because um, I really don't, I think part of what makes naturopathy and naturopaths unique is that we do kind of break the mold. So, mm-hmm. um, so don't get stuck in that box and don't believe everything you see, um, you know, because it's still, it is, it's still a challenge and a grind and, you know, it's nice that people may perceive something that way, but at the same time, there it can also be stressful to that person, right? Mm-hmm. So on on the flip side, and sort of going like, oh my god, all these people think I'm doing great when in fact, you know, it's it's still day to day, right? So right, yeah. And and you actually just brought in the perfect segue because this is also something that I want people to understand: is being that cookie cutter naturopath isn't necessarily what we have to remain in. So even for myself, starting this podcast, starting this sort of consulting side of things, it it really taps into the creative part of me. You know, yeah. doing international podcasts and, and online summits yeah. helps me um, address more people that I may never get as patients, yeah. but I'm sort of spreading the word, spreading my reputation. So yeah. you had mentioned that you were the uh, medical advisor or the medical yeah. educator. What other avenues have you done outside of the clinic yeah. that have been, they don't even need to be profitable, but things that have just, you know, helped you yeah. and inspired you and, and encouraged you to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, obviously doing, uh, being a medical advisor, medical educator, that was huge. And then, um, and then now I work with a group that does do business mentoring for wellness practitioners. And, um, so that coaching mentoring side is, is really cool because I, I've always sort of been inclined that way. I always like to teach and mentor. I mean, I started teaching figure skating when I was six years old. Right. So it's, it's always been a part of me. And, um, and, you know, to your point, the idea that you can reach more people and you can um, maybe just spread the knowledge that you've gained. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I'm, that's why I commend you. And thank you so much again for doing this, because I think um, sometimes there can be that cloistered nature of like, well, I had to pull myself up by my bootstrap. So you better figure it out, too, little one. Right. Right. Um, and I don't think that behooves anybody or our profession. So the more that we can share, the better off we're all going to be so that we yeah. can, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants together kind of idea. Exactly. Exactly. So even for me starting to do like, I just record my seminars yeah. very simply while I'm doing them. And that's a great extra stream. And it, it I right. sell them online for five bucks. Like exactly. it's not even anything, but it's still something that I've created. That's going to last the rest of my lifetime yes. until the internet blows up. If yeah. that ever does happen, <laughs> but yeah. it's little creative things like that. So, um, now talk about the business summit that I know you're a part of that happens sort of annually, or maybe it's semi-annually. I'm Double not too time. sure. Yeah. 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 And talk about that and how you got involved in that and what yeah. that can help people as a resource sure, that absolutely. they could go to. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I work with a group called the wellness leadership Academy. It's actually based out of Australia. Um, but one of the owners has, uh, his partner is actually from Toronto. So, um, so he started to meet people in Toronto and sort of liaise with people and, um, you know, made some good contacts. And what happened was I actually signed up with him to do coaching. So I was one of his mentees Mm -hmm. and he then teamed up with, um, somebody else from Australia who was in a similar space and they'd sort of been watching each other and in similar circles. And they decided, you know what, we could 
take this whole thing way more global if we put sort of our heads together. So what happened was they decided to actually launch um, the event that we run, which is called the Wellness Leadership Revolution. And he uh, or the two of them came to me. And because I'd had industry um, insider sort of connections and being able to talk to people within the um, the wellness world, particularly when it came to supplements and whatnot, they were just sort of looking for some assistance with having some sponsorship and having some some groups there to sort of make it, um, you know, a more complete event. And I was like, sure, I can help out with that. Um, and, and that it sort of morphed into, I was already sort of on track to potentially do some of the, the mentoring for one of the programs we have, which is a 90 day program to help practitioners when they are first starting out, like what are some of those marketing things that you need to do? And it's great to have a website, but guess what? Like if you're sitting behind your computer, it doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. Get out, meet people. You got to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Here's how you talk to them. Here's what your message should look like, et cetera. And um, yeah, so basically we, we hold this two-day weekend where people are able to come and sort of get some help with the local practice side of things and getting their message right for day one. And then day two, we start to introduce them to some of the areas they can look, look at in terms of online leverage and global presence. So um, tapping into that creativity, as you said, that's part of what I love too, doing these other things sort of helps my creative side and yeah. You can have more creativity online and it can be as simple as being like, hey, man, I'm just going to record this session and passive income, put it online and it's beneficial yeah. for people. And that's great. So, you know, everything from that up to to bigger scale opportunities that we can look at. And of course, always doing that within within the guidelines of of our uh, professionalism yes. and uh, people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of what, what that uh, two days looks like for people so they can, you know, have that inspiration and start to look at things a little bit differently, perhaps. Now, is there anything else that you think the listeners would really value from your experience, from a learning moment, anything that we haven't quite addressed that you thought, you know what, I really want to get this out there? Hmm, you know, I think, I think, probably the biggest thing for me was really just talking about like the business basics and really just being aware that you do need to build your professional team and don't let the cost deter you. Um, and speak to people because, you know, there's a lot of people who will give us great offerings and deals and support, and it might just save you a lot of time and heartache and headache, um, down, down the road. Um, I think the other probably sort of key learning thing for me is, um, yeah, really just not trying not to compare yourself. And we're all going to still do it at times. Um, but walk your path, you know, get clear about what that looks like. It could be that maybe what you need to do is do a vision board every year so that you know and what it, you know, because it's going to morph and it's going to change. But just sort of getting that out there in front of yourself so that you can stay true to who you are. Um, and, and, you know, and it's okay, you know, when you have those rough days, um, yeah. you know, and I have them constantly. Oh I remember there was like, it must've been two or three months where I was think I was looking for an exit strategy. Yeah. I was like, I'm out. I, I just, this isn't doing anything for me. And then totally. all of a sudden things start to click again and you love it again. And, and I think people, when they start getting that way, they're like, oh my goodness, does this mean I shouldn't be an ND? Does this mean I'm doing all the wrong things? And it's sort yeah. of like a relationship, right? There's yeah. going to be moments where you're going to hate it. And there's yeah. going to be moments where like, 
everything just happens easy and you're just loving it. Yeah. And it's that sort of turmoil that I think is another thing that mindset wise, you have to be prepared for because it's never going to be an uphill battle the whole way. Not ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think there was something you just said there too, sort of, oh yeah, like sort of in those days where, yeah, like you are looking for an exit strategy or where you're like, oh my God, like, was this the right choice? I think that's where, think about um, ways that it's maybe not an exit, but how do you parlay your skills, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, so that goes back to the idea of being creative thinkers. I think a lot of us became naturopathic doctors, not just because we wanted to treat people naturally, not because we just wanted to make people's lives better, but because there is a creativity involved in the process. Coming up with a unique treatment plan, there is a lot of creativity there. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I think we get rutted into the science of it. And that's when we sometimes start to lose the passion. So make sure you have an outlet for that creativity, both that leverages your clinical skills, but is maybe completely not related, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think the other thing too, and this is maybe a sort of goes back to that idea of a, a key learning point is in the first few years of your practice, you kind of have to take all people um, so that you get experience. But try to have a sense of and, and start to maybe even make note of the people you love to work with, because that's also when you start to get drained are the people where you're working, you know, they're, they're not taking responsibility, right? So yeah. the way we talk about it in Wellness Leadership Academy is sort of your, your A, B and C grade clients. And your A grade clients are those people who you love, they work with you brilliantly, they get results you, they get yeah. results exactly they're looking for that transformation right b grade clients are sort of like they've climbed the fence and they're looking over the other side and they're kind of ready they just might need a little help and a little coaching so they're almost your a grade clients right and then your c grade clients are the ones who are like very much stuck in that paternalistic model of well you're the doctor you tell me what to do and and right. and they're not really engaged in that process yet in some cases or they just actually aren't um, they may not present with the types of conditions you like to work with, right? You know, you might be a sports medicine person and, and they're, you know, a women's health person, right? Yeah. And so the key thing to start to get clear about on that is your C grade client is someone else's A grade client. So don't be afraid to refer because that's the other thing that people often are afraid. They're like, oh my God, well, if I refer this person, I lose them as a client. Well, typically not. Because those people usually end up attributing the success they have with that other practitioner back to you. That's right, because you sent them to the person and you didn't waste their time. And and I always try to reiterate the same idea is that those people that don't get results with you are going to smear your reputation because they're going to say, oh, yeah, I went to Dr. Andrea. She didn't do anything for me. I was expecting this outcome. I didn't get it. And it, it can just not ruin you, but it, yeah. you know, bad word of mouth travels so much faster than good word of Sometimes, mouth. So yeah, exactly. yeah, unfortunately. So definitely weeding out those people. And that really helped me prepare like a focus for me yeah. too, was exactly. to say, you know what, if someone comes in my office with back pain, they're going to the osteopath, they're going to the physio, they're going to massage, I'm not going to touch them. But if they want help with digestive health, if they want help with weight loss, all over it. So even if you just tell them that, you know, while you're addressing the acute concern, go here. I'm always here when you're ready to, to prevent that from happening again. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, so that's, that's key. And, and I know a lot of 
initial um, clinicians and sort of when you're first coming out, you're going to be like, but I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And, and that's okay, right? You take the patients and you're going to start to learn what you want to do. And you might actually be lucky when you come, you know, a lot of people do come out of fourth year and they're like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the universe has different plans for you. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, yeah, that being said, yeah, just sort of, you know, take that first little bit of time to sort of just take those patients where you're like, yep, you know what, I didn't really love that. And I don't really love that process. Like, so for me, I'm happy to work with people, you know, in terms of later on, once they've gone through cancer, but if they're like, yes, no, sorry, you're going to somebody who has that specialty, that knowledge, absolutely. that's not what I want to do. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So I think just sort of, again, it kind of goes back again to that idea of spend some time just getting clear about sort of your initial ideas again, it's, and you're not locked into anything. Right. So, so it's, okay, you may have changes happen, but the clearer you are and the more time you put into that, the better off you're going to be. And so just to start to wrap this up, I, I always like to ask, you know, if there was one thing you learned now that you wish you had learned prior to starting your practice, what would that be? Um, I think probably how to message what it is that I do to people not just to say hi I'm a naturopathic doctor because that can mean something or nothing to people right and it can sometimes mean something negative to people um so I think (gasps) probably how to to more effectively sort of like people talk about like your elevator pitch or your 12 second pitch or what have you um I think that probably would be one of the things that would have been you know a more helpful tool to have right off the bat because that's like your foundation for when you go out and you do your seminar and you do your public talk and you write yeah. your article and all that kind of stuff and and you know you you start to learn it but we also sometimes and even I like we still have to use the technical version of our bios sometimes right yes but really what patients want to hear is what are you going to help me get rid of what is the thing that is keeping me up at 3 a.m and you're going to help me solve yeah okay yeah And I, I told, and that was something that I actually learned too, is I was like, because in the beginning you graduate from naturopathic school and now you're a naturopathic doctor and there's a bit of ego that can kind of step in about being like, well, I'm a naturopath, you know, that should say enough. And now it's actually something that I kind of say as a sideline. I'm like, well, I actually help people with um, all kinds of digestive issues. We do detoxification. I help them understand the foundations of medicine um, so that their body can start to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. And I happen to have a license number that can help you out with benefits. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's exactly what you said is so often we get so excited about putting the ND and naturopathic medicine and this medicine will help you you know, heal from the root cause. And people are like, well, I don't, I have no idea what you just said. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it's sort of one of the mentors that I work with, with, with wellness leadership, he sort of said that it's like, we come out of school, we've spent four years talking to each other about how great everything is. And, you know, like, we're so excited about it. But other people are like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) you know, and, and it's terrible to say, but it's not dissimilar for a medical doctor. They're like, great. I'm happy that you've got all these other certifications, Yeah. but this is my problem. What are you going to do about it? Right. That's right. And how quickly are you going to fix it? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, that's, that's another thing we have to manage sometimes, you know, it's a different (laughs) discussion, but at the same time, that's a good point insofar as, as telling them what you're going to address and having a general sense of what your 
treatment protocol is like saying to them, well, I've seen generally that people need six weeks of weekly appointments for this, or they need, you know, four appointments every two months to get these results. Then if we're not having those results at that time, we either need to consider X, Y, or Z. And for those that are just starting out and they'll be like, well, how do I know? Ask the people that have done it, Mm -hmm. you know, like ask the people that when it comes to parasite or candida protocols, how long have you seen it usually last? Mm -hmm. And patients just want a general idea. And I usually sometimes will over embellish it so that they, if it happens sooner, they're like, sweet, awesome. So I'll say, you know what? I've seen sometimes it takes six weeks to cure this. And they're like, oh, well, I feel better after three months. I'm like, okay, wonderful. So for your body, it just went faster. So never, ever be afraid to ask. And I do find as a community, I feel like we are afraid to ask. We are afraid to share. And that was the main reason why I wanted to put together this podcast was to take down some of those walls and be very frank about the trials, the tribulations, what we learn, who's out there, who's willing to share who your resources are. So I just really, really want to thank you so much for coming on and being my first interview. Super exciting, despite that one little glitch that we had. And if somebody does want to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Uh, So definitely they can reach me through my clinic. So um, I'll just give my direct email address. So it's just Dr. Quinn. So Dr. Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N at qwellness.ca. Or visit my website and there's a contact form there as well. So it's just www.qwellness.ca. Beautiful. And I will also be putting that on my website, www.maximizebusiness.ca, in case you didn't catch that. And for the most part, I had a wonderful afternoon with you, hun. And thank you to everyone who listened to the uh, Profitable Practice podcast. I'm Andrea. The website is, again, maximizedbusiness.ca. And we're out. Awesome. Thanks, Andrea. You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.